0: welcome back to the 22 convention of 2021 in orlando florida it brings me an incredible honor both uh, professionally and personally to introduce our next speaker Uh, his name is ken curry i consider him not only a friend and compatriot on this stage uh, but a mentor uh, in many ways that i've learned a tremendous amount of personal identity, things that have improved my life, uh, have personally improved my relationship as a father, uh, and also clearly as a partner. Uh, He is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, He is an outstanding individual. Uh, And one of the things that he taught me, I think it's important to note, uh, that I wish young women would hear, is that confidence comes from a combination of two traits. A very, very strong personal identity, coupled with the ability and to have skills competently. When you have those two together, you have a very confident individual. And I look to that model when I'm raising my daughter because of the following man. May I introduce an outstanding exemplar of our masculinity, Ken Curry. Thank you, sir, appreciate it.
1: Yeah, that's quite a uh, quite an intro, thank you very much. Um, like he said i'm a licensed marriage and family therapist i've been doing family and marriage therapy for about 15 years um, let's see a couple other things about me i've been married 37 years uh, to the same woman i've got uh, three children they're adults now and i have one grandson and yesterday was his first birthday so that was a big celebration that i missed for being here but it's a uh, really cool um, being here with you guys today um, One of the things that I do, I work about three quarters of my practice is working directly with men. And about a quarter of what I do is uh, working with couples and working with marriages, trying to help restore the marriage. And uh, this is something my wife, she always tells me, I can't stop doing that. I have to do that to a degree. She always says, you have to stay in touch with what's going on with the women. And so because I do a lot of work with men and I'm very passionate about some of the things that um, my intro said that I work a lot with men and that's a very significant, passionate part of what I do. So um, definitely really enjoy marriage counseling Um, and I do that because I am also passionate about marriage and I think that family and marriage is a major cornerstone for society. It is a major stabilizing um, uh, form, um, order, that we have, and marriage has really taken a pretty big hit, Um, especially in the world of uh, the manosphere and the men's conversation. There's a lot of men who just say, I don't want anything to do with marriage anymore, and there's a number of reasons why that is, but the first thing I just want to say is there is nothing wrong with marriage. Marriage is amazing. It's like I said, an important part of our society. It's a very important part of each individual who are part of that. It's a very important part of raising children really well. And I'll get into more of that. Where the problem comes is divorce sucks. And what has happened with divorce in our society, with the courts and the different things, divorce really destroys a lot of things. And so my intent today with this talk is if in any little tiny shape or form, I'm able to have somebody rethink whether they're gonna get a divorce or not, then this will have been a successful conversation. And so that's all I wanna do is make somebody think that let's not do this or let's rethink this or let's take some time before we move into this. So so first I'm gonna just start off on one of my pet peeves. So um, as I've gotten older, I just turned 60 this year, and as I've gotten older, I've had to rely on these guys, my readers. And so one of the things that, that uh, and gosh, my eyes have been really good my whole life, really good, and so for people that have had eye problems and, and need to wear glasses, man, I give you kudos because it has created some really frustrating things for me. And so one of the things is um, is how things are marketed, and we're going to talk a little bit about marketing today. But my pet peeve comes out with the whole idea of. Uh, there probably when I first noticed it is when I would go to take a shower, usually at a hotel, and where they have the three different things, they would have uh, body wash, conditioner, and shampoo. But they always the way things are marketed, the the name of the product, of what the product the brand of the product is really big, like. Ozzy or Echo This or, you know, whatever, it's kind of the big, pr- and you don't know what it is because is this the body wash or the conditioner or the shampoo? And so it's like, there's, I, you know, I try my best to figure out which is which and try not to wash my whole body with conditioner. <laughs> the worst one is when I brush my teeth with oh, but. <clears throat> No, I'm just kidding, didn't didn't do that. I know what Destin is, so, but the thing is, um, where this came up again, and you guys might laugh at me, and this might be kind of something that's funny, but my wife and I have a really good division of labor in our home. I do a lot of the stuff that I do. She does a lot of stuff that she does. Well, one time I caught myself, it was I had to do my laundry. She usually normally does it. She loves doing the laundry. So I was caught with this. Didn't have my glasses. So I'm going, which is which? Which one is the detergent? Which one is fabric softener? Right? I couldn't tell because look at this thing. All shiny and says gain. And everybody knows what gain is, right? No, guys don't know what it is. I don't watch TV. I don't hardly ever watch commercials. Snuggle, what the heck is snuggle? Got a little bear on there. You know, can you... Can, can, Literally, can you guys see what the product is? There is no, there is, I'll show you, it's hidden. You don't, I don't know whether this is detergent or that's detergent. I don't know because I'm a guy and I don't usually do the laundry. Now check this out. Way down at the bottom. I mean, look, you could even see the, it says detergent and then detergent, right, in French. And then down here, a fabric conditioner, right? But see how small it is? Look at this, it's here. It's like as small as possible. It's crazy, isn't it? So this is one of my pet peeves because I can't read what it is, just like in the shower, if I don't have my readers on. Now, here's the big question is why? Why do they do this with marketing? What is this? Why don't they tell you what the product is? It's, it's because they have a plan. Here's the thing, detergent, soap, it's not very sexy. It's not a sexy idea, but with detergent, you have look how green it is and sparkly it is and the butterflies and flowers and stars and all this stuff, and that's what it looks like. And it's a big, shiny project product. But when it comes down to it, if you've ever seen a commercial, it's all about happy children well-behaved children, sparkling, clean, white T-shirts. It's about snuggly the bear. Feel how soft that is, right? That's what it's all about. And so the thing is, is that what they market is the experience of what you're going to achieve or what you're going to experience when you buy this product. It's not what you need. It's what you want. I need detergent, but detergent, like I said, isn't very sexy. And so they hide the thing down at the very bottom. And they don't, you don't even know what it is. But you know what it is because they've marketed in, with commercials. You've all seen the commercials. Smiling kids. and You know, you take your kids to the bus stop and all the other mothers or somebody sees you with all these kids that are in the best clean clothes. And it's like you get all this validation from that. And probably the most important part of it is if I use this product, it'll keep my mother-in-law off my back. That's probably the most important part of this. That's the best part of the experience. So <clears throat> I want to jump to this one as well. You guys will like this. Remember Tide Pods? People were eating this thinking it was candy. What? Oh, yeah. This was a year ago or whatever. Do you guys remember any of that where people were eating Tide Pods? But here's the reason. What is it? It tells you way down here. They don't even tell you that it's not candy. It's like It was a really weird thing. Anyway, moving forward, so here's what marketing does. Marketing tells you what you want and then sells you this shiny object. And we're gonna get into this a little more. And they don't even tell you what the thing is. They're selling you the expectations, the hopes, dreams, but it's really all about expectations. If I buy this product, I will achieve or I will experience this certain thing. So today we're gonna talk about marketing I just talked about marketing how we do that twitter patient you guys may or may not know what twitter patient is it comes from a disney movie called bambi and if you remember in bambi it starts off the first part of the movie is the of the story has all the little animals you have thumper the rabbit and flower the skunk and bambi the deer and they're little kids and then all of a sudden they start growing up and twitter patient happens and the animals start to get horny and they start to Thumper starts thumping, Flower starts doing his thing with all the other skunk girls, and then Bambi and Faline they get it. They get together because of Twitter patient. Twitter patient is that feeling of butterflies, the infatuation some people call it limerence. That would be the scientific word for infatuation. So that's what we're going to talk about probably the most important marketing. This is the number one marketing campaign of the last century. I think it's probably the most brilliant marketing campaign in history, and I don't know if anybody would ever um, do something better than this campaign. It's De Beers. Diamond is forever. So the whole thing of what they've done, you imagine that a couple of guys in the um, marketing, you know, Mad Men office or whatever, and they're all sitting there, talking and they're going okay our goal is is that we want to move we have millions of dollars worth of diamonds over here and nobody's buying them how do we how do we make it to where people buy diamonds and here's the thing they actually created out of nothing they created a tradition the tradition of the engagement ring and it's brilliant it's they, they created it. So before the last century, before this marketing campaign, engagement rings weren't really a thing. A few people did it here and there. And so the whole thing is they created a marketing tool to move their diamonds. Brilliant, freaking brilliant, because these guys, now you think about how much billions and billions and billions of dollars, and now 100 years later, it's a tradition. Nobody even thinks about it. It's just what we do. When you when you get married or when you get engaged, the guy buys the diamond ring and the woman experiences you know, you know how gosh, I probably can't do it. You know the right? This is you see this. It's like I'm excited. I've been chosen. I've been I'm wanted. Look at this is going to happen to me. This great thing. But what they're, what they're marketing is the experience of being chosen, of being wanted. And so it's attached. So the diamond is a symbol of this excitement, of the, of the Twitter patient, of the infatuation, of the chemistry that's going on, and now I'm experiencing it. And so here's another one. Oops, <clears throat> wow. Oops, how far do we need to go here? There we are. So you wonder where this came from. The whole idea It says up here, two months' salary showed the Mrs. future Mrs. Smith what the future will be like, right? Who came up with the idea that you would need to buy an engagement ring for two months' salary? Our buddies from De Beers, right? I know, it's brilliant, freaking brilliant. And nobody thinks twice about where this came from and how we as consumers and we are consu- Americans are consumers. If you want more information about this, there's a really good documentary called "The Century of, of the Self." It's a four-part documentary. You can find it on YouTube. Um, it's all about the marketing. It's all about how we became a nation of consumers. And what I'm talking about is how did we become consumers of Twitter patient? So <clears throat> think about all the different categories where we're taught, we're, we're told, here's what relationship is. You know, the Weddings Incorporated, that in cor- includes um, the venues and cakes and all the tuxes and all the stuff that you get when you, uh, with the whole wedding process. You know, I'm from Colorado, and whenever we go anywhere in the summertime, it's like every flat spot, there's a wedding going on there. I mean, it's like the venue, pr- uh, uh, what do you call that, the service or the product or whatever, um, everybody wants to have a venue because you make a lot of money and bringing people in. So farms and ranches and ski resorts and anybody that has something that has a beautiful backdrop with the mountains and a flat spot, all you need is a flat uh, concrete spot where people stand with the backdrop and, and they sell the, the experience. And so there's a ton going on with the Weddings Incorporated you know about Hallmark cards and Valentine cards and, and how all this is just the romance and everything. Disney, I already talked about Bambi, but think about Prince Charming. You know, Prince Charming, uh, Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty. I mean, that guy got around. He's all over the place, right? Same guy. And, uh, yeah, he's the original pickup artist. Um, but the whole thing of all the different things of, You know, can you feel the love tonight? You know, it's all, it's everything about it. And if you remember, it always ends with, they lived happily ever after. So Disney, uh, any other kind of fairy tale, that's where it ends. They lived happily ever after. So you get this first part and there's a line and they just assume, here we go. And that's what we're gonna talk about because they sell what's on the front end. The rom-coms, romantic comedies, it's like you get the you know you complete me or uh, you had me at hello or what's the what's the breath one where life is not about how many breaths you take but how many how your breath is taken away, right? And it's like uh, there's so many different categories of romantic comedies that are just about let's is the guy gonna meet the girl and are you know they're passing by in the night and she's on the train and why didn't he get on the train and stop the train and all this stuff and there's all this romance and all this stuff going on, Um, but is that real? And always, you know, there's all this tension during the movie and always they they hook up at the end, maybe it's not a hookup, but they get married or whatever at the end and everything, that's the line and you assume happily ever after, right? And there's pretty crazy ones in there as well. Where you go, nah, they're not going to uh, live happily. I think the Silver Linings playbook is probably the worst one. Where two people with serious mental illness finally get together. They both have bipolar disorder. And you go, any marriage is really difficult if one person has that disorder. And both of them have it. And, and they end the movie, like, hey, everything's cool. And I'm like, no, this is a disaster ready to happen. But they don't tell you that. Um romance novels. I don't even want to talk about that disgusting concept. It's horrible. You guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, the whole mommy porn thing and all that. Um, just it's about cultural expectations about what we get when we're uh, gonna get engaged. So let's look at this. So marketing Twitter patient, Twitter patient. This is the big, all the stuff we've been sold. It's what you've been told. It's what you've been sold. It's a big shiny object, all the stars, all the happiness. I feel good about me when I'm with you. The expectations, the diamonds, the rings, the experience, the ceremony, the venues, the gifts, the honeymoon, romance, passion, sex, all this stuff. Your hopes and dreams come alive. Your princess for a day and queen for a lifetime. I'm cherished, I'm chosen. You complete me. My internal conflicts are resolved. Everything's good. It's the big dopamine hits of Twitter patient and the butterflies and infatuation, and it's happily ever after, right? That's what it's all about. This is marriage, right? No, because they don't tell you what's really down there in this little fine print, right? What is that? There's something down there. What is this really? It's like, it's like, What is this really? This is what we assume it all is, but it's not it. But we got to go down, what's the fine print to find out what is marriage all about? What is it really? What's really going to happen here? So down at the bottom, procreation, I talked a little bit about this before. It's about having kids. It's about being together to raise really good people, really good people to be in the world. Um, And you have to have a good family, you have to have a husband, and wife, and everything to really create a really good family Um, and being together uh, to really create that. The second one is well-being, and well-being is about safety and security and companionship. And it used to be 100 years ago or so or more that if you weren't married, you might have a really hard time surviving. You needed the teamwork. You needed to be together to do that. Now we live in such abundant times that the well-being thing, or at least the safety and security part of it, isn't as necessary as an issue with that. So, um, but it's still a really big part of this. I have somebody with me, I feel loved, I feel cherished, I feel uh, belonging. Belonging's a really significant part of the human experience. And so I have that, um, and it's a really big part of being married. Um, the next one, and this is the one that nobody talks about, and this is the one I'm gonna focus on tonight, today, is the whole idea of personal growth. Personal growth is something that most of us, we pull back on. I don't wanna grow. I don't wanna be responsible. I don't wanna have to go through the process of growing because personal growth usually is quite difficult. It's not an easy thing to grow. Um, and I'll talk more about how that happens. So one of the quotes that I want you to see, this is Dr. David Schnarch. This is from the book uh, Passionate Marriage, a really good book on marriage. Uh, marriage is a people-growing machine. So what he's talking about is it is going to grow you up. It's, it, this is what it's designed to do. You start with marriage, and when you move through marriage, you're going to be a stronger, more healthy individual if you allow marriage to do the thing it's supposed to do to grow you up. <clears throat> so let's talk about change and growth. So this is gonna kind of guide us through the whole process of how this actually works. And so change and growth, um, I like the whole concept of, and this comes from Richard Rohr and his book is The Wisdom Pattern. Um, and it's about order, disorder, reorder. And this is how change and growth happens probably in every category when you have any kind of change and growth happening. So the order is the expectations of the way that you heard it should be or the way that it is. It's just the order of how it is. So before change happens, it's kind of the idea of this is just the order of how it is. So it's probably um, a little bit unhealthy. It might be codependent. It might be something that needs to change. Um, The second category is disorder. So this is where everything falls apart. The shit hits the fan. And the old order now is disrupted and it creates a ton of uncertainty. And so the way that growth happens is you sit in the uncertainty and you sit in this disrupted time and you go, what am I gonna do? Where am I going with this? It's really, really difficult and it's very uncertain. And so then you're left with two options we'll talk more about the options but if you're going to go ahead and move forward into growth you have to think about the reorder reordering it into more of a healthy stance where we're not as codependent but now we're more interdependent or i grow something inside of me where i feel stronger and I, maybe i'm using my voice in a stronger fashion it's transformation Something is changing and transforming in how I move and who I am and what I believe and the stories that that I believe and finding what the truth is. And it's growth toward maturity. And so that's the reorder. Now, if you think about it, even this last year or so, we've actually done this as a whole country. You know, you had the certain order, COVID came in, totally disrupted everything. And the new reorder, you know how people use the category of the new normal. It's like, that's our new normal. This is our reorder of how we do things now. And it's just weird because, you know, a couple of years ago, you would think it would be the most extremely odd thing to see somebody in a mask. Now it's like, that's normal, you know, and it's that's the new order. That's the reorder of where we are. So you see how change happened with a massive disorder. <clears throat> okay, so let's start with the order part of the Twitter patient stuff. So this is based on the expectations of how you heard it should be. This is how it was sold to me by De Beers and by whoever else was telling me this is how relationships should be. And so it really starts off on, it starts on the first date. The first date, if you didn't feel good about you when you were with the other person and they felt good about them when they were with you, you wouldn't have a second date. It's all about chemistry. It's all about feeling good about myself. You make me feel good about me when I'm with you. You complete me, you make me feel good. Um, and it's about chemistry. And the feel-good hormones, oxytocin and dopamine, those are the two big hormones that go through your body when you feel good. Oxytocin is the, called the, the bonding hormone. Uh, dopamine is more of a pleasure hormone. It's more of a excitement hormone. And we feel these things, but it's totally based on chemistry. So you're responsible for my happiness, but you're also responsible for my unhappiness. And we'll get to that in a little bit as well. It's very codependent. You guys know that word. Um, and it's based on a reflected sense of self and external validation. That I'm getting validation from something outside of me telling me that I'm somebody or it's telling me that I'm good enough. So it's resolving my inner conflicts through this person liking me and wanting to be with me. And so <clears throat> you go to the first First date, second date, third date, keep going. Time passes, finally you get engaged. Time passes, you get married and you enter into the honeymoon phase. And we know what the honeymoon feels like. And this is what I wanna say on the bottom. It feels great and to be enjoyed. I would say this phase, enjoy it. It's not bad. It's a beautiful, wonderful experience. Feel it to the depth of feeling it. But it's a very incomplete view. And the problem is that most people think this is the norm. This is the way marriage is supposed to be from beginning to end, and it's not. I want you to experience it as much as you can, but it's not the substance of a marriage. It's a very incomplete view of the fullness of what marriage is all about. Then we go into the disorder. This is a second part. So the chemistry, we've got the chemistry side where all the different things in the honeymoon phase, And then we move into chaos. And so the shit hits the fan, all your expectations fall apart. This is where, remember, they live happily ever after? That's where that's a lie. We didn't live, we're not gonna live happily ever after. Guess what? The honeymoon phase is going to end. Guaranteed it's gonna end at some point in time. So usually it happens when the first baby's born. First baby's born, and all of a sudden nobody gets sleep, all of a sudden uh, it, things change totally. For me, when my, when my daughter was born, that was the first uh, child we had, we were two weeks in. My daughter was two weeks old and I was pissed at a two-week-old baby. Here I am, a man, and I'm angry at a little girl, a baby, and I'm going, what is going on with me? What is happening? What is this? I had to really do a gut check. It was a massive come to Jesus moment for me. And what it was, I know now, was two weeks before, I had 100% of my wife's attention. Two weeks later, I got about 5% of my wife's attention. It It was gone. And I had to struggle with it. Because guess what? Things are changing. Things totally were changing. And so when you have a baby, things change a ton. Or I have on here, you can have no baby. There's a lot of couples, miscarriages, they have to do IVF. That is equally as difficult as having a baby, but it still, shit hits the fan. It's a tough season. It could be a health problem. Could it could be a job loss. It could be somebody dies, number of different things, but guaranteed it's gonna hit the fan you're going to go into disorder in your relationship. This is the place where I got some acronyms here. That first one is the whole thing of how does it go? Uh, You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips, right? It's the whole thing of you lost that love and feeling. Oh, that love and feeling, right? That's the whole thing. You've lost the love and feeling. There's a song about it. And actually there's more than one song. There's that song, you guys all know that. You probably don't know Pink Floyd, The Wall. Okay, their marriage hit the wall. And so it goes like this. Day after day, love turns gray like the skin of a dying man. Night after night, we pretend it's all right. But I have grown older. You have grown colder. Cold as a razor blade. Tight as a tourniquet. Dry as a funeral drum. Didn't that kill you? But That's that's the season. And this is where you begin to think, are we incompatible? What's wrong with us? What is wrong? Something's wrong. And this is because nobody's ever told us that this is how relationships go. Nobody has told us, so we question it. And so this acronym here, it's, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. We've heard that one before. So without talking about the chemicals or the hormones, you can say it this way, I oxytocin you, I'm bonded to you, but I don't dopamine you anymore. I don't have that excitement. I have the connection and bonding, but I don't have the excitement. The chemistry is not there anymore. And so when somebody says that, they're assuming that this is the category of which a relationship is based on, which it's not, like I said. And so you'll you'll get like, I'm Don, um, the whole idea of living in a deficit, both of you, everybody, is living in a deficit. We're not getting the sleep we need. We're not getting what we got before. We're not having the same connections. Um, We're probably not having the same affection, amount of affection or conversation. We're both too busy. There's too much poop. There's too much pee. There's laundry to be done. You know, you're trying to resolve all the crap with grandparents wanting to be in your house. There's all this, uh, so much stuff is going on and you're not, at our happiness level or a sense of well being, boom, it's way down here. We're both living in a deficit. So if your idea is that I have to be living with a really profoundly, um, what would you call it, um, or my happiness is way up here and I feel all the chemistry and all this, if that's the expectation, oh my gosh, that's gonna be a really tough thing to navigate for sure. And so this also comes to a place where it's an adversarial relationship where that person begins to be my enemy because you are responsible for my happiness. You are not doing your job. You are not doing what I expect, right? Because of what I've been told, what I've been marketed, what I've been sold, right? And so that other person, I have the the acronyms there, the CB, You are a crazy bitch. Or, he is an uncaring asshole. So the narrative that you have of the other person, they become your enemy, that's the words that you begin to use. That's the language you begin to use about that other person. And that other person, for me, two weeks ago, was like the most amazing person on the planet. I had chosen them, I had wanted them to be my partner forever, and now I question that and I'm calling them names like this? This is how rough this is, because this happens. Trust me, I see this all the time where I have to navigate, how can we shift the narrative or the story that you're telling yourself about the other person and begin to create different names? Oh, he's not an uncaring asshole. He's just living in a deficit and not getting the sleep that he needs, and he's trying to navigate this she's not a crazy bitch she's just living in a deficit as well trying to figure this out trying to make things work for herself trying to find out how to actually um, get through this totally unexpected because guess what nobody tells you this stuff that's what i'm hoping to do with this conversation is being able to say this is how relationships actually work remember there are people growing machine and this is how it works so this is disorder So this is not the time to give up. Your marriage is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. You're right where you need to be. It's difficult. As a matter of fact, when you have little babies, easily, the most difficult season of a marriage across the board, when kids are little, it is really, really tough, but it's doing exactly what it's supposed to be. Remember I was telling you the whole thing about how it's designed for personal growth. It's going to grow you up, but we have three choices. Our choices, lawyer up, suck it up, or grow up. So lawyer up, I'm going to choose a divorce. And this is the thing that really saddens me. Not only do people choose divorce, man, sometimes they will choose to just do the scorched earth because they're so angry at their partner that they want to destroy their partner. So they will destroy the finances, they will destroy whatever's in their way to get back at that person. It's really, really tough to see. Um, and what it is, is if you choose a divorce, I would really question whether you really have honor or if you really did communicate a, a vow or, or the, really the most difficult part of this is you're really gonna wreck your kids. Now here's the thing, kids, are amazingly resilient. They get through it, they'll make it, they'll, they'll get past this. But the problem is, is why would you want to make your kids be resilient? Let's actually give them a heads up. And if they don't have parents that divorce, they're actually gonna do a hell of a lot better in life. And they won't have to process all this pain for themselves because you guys probably know this, whenever a family divorces, the kids always blame themselves. What did I do? I should have been better. I should have done this. I should have done my homework. I should have, that's what kids do. They always place it on themselves. And so they have a lot they have to process. So my challenge would be don't make your kids have to be resilient. So that's the first one is you can lawyer up, suck it up. A lot of couples choose this as well. You might have a faith or or a cultural expectation of not divorcing, where divorce is wrong, or divorce is not something that we need to do, or, or this would be the wrong thing, we just can't get a divorce. And so you suck it up. And so what sucking up looks like is um, the parents will, will suck it up and they'll get through the next decade and a half or two decades, and they'll get the kids raised. And so it's all about um, a family, and you've seen this, you have totally seen this, is the family, the marriage, the couple, the mom and the dad totally revolve around the kids and they make sure the kids are okay. The kids are going to be educated and they, they get everything, the kids, everything works out for the kids and they make it happen. The problem is mom and dad don't really get connected ever. And so they're just, they're a great team. They might do logistics, but their marriage, no intimacy, no closeness, no connection. And it's really tough. Um, But then what happens, and this is actually the second major spike in divorce, in the seasons of marriage. The first one is when the kids are very little. It's a major spike in divorce there. Second spike in divorce is empty nest. And so you get through, you get the kids done, you've sucked it up, and now you look at each other going, and who are you? Um, Yeah, it's kind of, that's what happens. There's no connection. And so that's when they finally go, okay, we're done. And this actually is pretty tough on the family as well. It's your kids aren't little, but it's still a really disruptive thing. So that would be sucking that up. Or make the choice say, all right, together, we're gonna grow up. Let's do this together. Let's make sure we're gonna be able to um, find out what we need to change, how we need to grow, um, and do this together. So let's look at the next step. So it's the reorder. So. Chemistry phase is the honeymoon, chaos is uncertainty, commitment is the rebuilding phase. So this is reorder, how are we gonna do this? So you rebuild with responsibility, collaboration and commitment. So the responsibility piece, this is a really important part of this. Because remember I was talking about how you're responsible for my happiness or my unhappiness. Um, You're responsible for how I feel about myself or, or you're responsible for navigating and and taking care of all these inner turmoils that I have, you're the one that takes care of that. Um, And if that's the case, um, or you're responsible for my external validation, giving, making sure I feel good about myself. And this is a really significant part of growth for everybody, getting to a place where I take accountability and responsibility for me. And I'm able to own when I make mistakes and say I was wrong, shouldn't have called you a name, shouldn't have done this, taking responsibility and ownership for my own stuff and being responsible for being able to say, I got my own shit to deal with, taking care of what I need to. And if it, it means that you would go through therapy for yourself, by all means, read the books, but you have to take the responsibility to say, this is on me, my own personal growth is mine. This is a really, really significant part of this. So that's mine. I own it. I'm going to become a stronger human being. I'm going to become more healthy. I'm going to become the vet best version of myself. That's a really significant part of this <clears throat> collaboration. So this is a responsibility is taking that as an individual that this is something I have to do. Collaboration is the whole thing of we're going to do this together. Let's do this. And if one person says no, that is really really sad. But if both persons say, yeah, let's do this, I'm on, let's make this happen, that's actually a really cool thing. Um, And so then commitment um, is just, I'm gonna make the commitment, I'm gonna recommit the vow that I made long ago, um, but even though the vow I made, I may have made it thinking that I was going to get all this stuff with my Twitter patient and all the chemistry, and that was the thing I was actually um, bought into now i'm going to recommit to saying okay we're going to rebuild something on a much stronger platform it's on a much stronger foundation it's built on a stronger commitment um, <clears throat> and then start with a good enough marriage and when you hear that this this is a uh, eli finkel his book is uh, all or nothing marriage another good resource um he talks about just start with a good enough marriage and when you hear that you go i don't want a good enough marriage but when you think about it, if you master anything, you have to start off with good enough. I mean, if, in, if you do uh, martial arts or if you have mastered a, a musical instrument, you know, you think about when you start, man, you are clumsy, you are awkward, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know where you're going, but you have to start with the beginner's mind. And that's what this is, going, we're just starting. We don't even know how to do marriage yet. We're just starting. Maybe we've had a good season. You might have been married seven, ten years. But it was based on a wrong foundation. And now, looking at it and going, you know what? We're just starting. We are starting to rebuild on a totally different platform. And it's a really important category to be able to think about how do we actually do that. And it starts with just saying, all right, let's just start with a good enough marriage. Let's start with beginner's mind and go from there the other category you know when you get a divorce you always think the grass is greener on the other side there's going to be somebody else out there for me problem is when you get a divorce you're just going to replicate the same old shit it's going to go over and over and over again you'll get married again you know twitter patient blah 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 all of a sudden it hits the fan same old stuff then you do it again and again that's what happens and so the the a big part of this is saying um, I'm not going to go with the grass is greener on the other side. On the other side, or on the other hand, the grass is greener. And you guys have probably heard this. The grass is greener where you water it. It's a really important part of this whole thing. The grass is greener right here because I'm going to take care of what I have here. Remember the whole thing of I love you but I'm not in love with you? you got this i love you piece you have this deep bond you have history you have family you have massive things that you've done together grow it keep it going grass is greener where you water it so accept uh, what is what marriage really is it's not what i've been sold it's not what everybody's saying and then recommit to something bigger because it's so much greater The depth of intimacy and closeness and connection and what you would be able to have is goes into this um, is just so much greater. Um, Do your own work. Like I said, with responsibility, build a solid sense of self, find out who you really are. And I have another acronym. I don't need you, but I want you. And this is a really important part of this. So if I need you to fill me, to validate me, that's the problem. And so I need to get to a space where I actually don't need you. Now, when I say, I don't need you, but I want you, that didn't sound very romantic. They're not gonna make any movie on that statement, but that statement is actually a healthy relational statement. And when I need you, that means that it's a codependent thing where I have to have you fulfill me or validate me or complete me. But If I don't need you, I am whole and complete within myself. I don't need you to validate me because I have a strong sense of self. Then that actually is a really strong place to have a strong relationship. It's really important. Um, This is another really important. Remember, I was talking about the narratives and those horrible things that we'd say about each other and that they're my enemy. Respect. And to me, respect, just is believe the best in each other. They're not your enemy. Believe the best in this person. This person is a good person, they, uh, we've had a good life, I've chosen them. When it really comes down to it, there was a reason why I chose them. And the reason right, right now why I don't like them is because I don't feel good about my life or my marriage. And that's a really important thing. They're not your enemy, believe the best in them. And then commit to your well-being and the well-being of the other person. Just think about that. Just going, I want you to thrive. I want me to thrive. And when you both commit to that, things totally change. So this is another, I love this quote um, and my wife loves it as well. So my wife has been married to five different men. They're all me. I remember when when I got married when I was 23, she was 21 man i was a, i was a young punk i had no idea what life was all about i had no idea what i was getting into and then as the seasons of life we've been married uh, 37 years we still got a lot more to go and um but the the thing is i have changed so much and and it, yeah if my wife was here she'd tell you all the different guys that i've been and not <laughs> not not all of them have been pleasant trust me <clears throat> so just to kind of uh, re um review this whole thing you got the order which was chemistry the disorder was chaos the reorder is commitment the honeymoon phase uncertainty phase and the rebuilding phase so during the chemistry honeymoon enjoy it like i said it's a beautiful wonderful thing it's an amazing gift to feel all the feelings and enjoy the beauty of that connection just not the substance of a marriage so in the disorder stay with it remember it's not the time to give up on your marriage Just because you're in a disruption doesn't mean your marriage sucks or something's wrong with your marriage. It means it's doing exactly what it needs to do. It's doing exactly, it's moving you from a good, from a a less healthy place to a more healthy place. And then create something great together. This is what it's all about. Creating an amazing relationship, an amazing foundation, an amazing environment to really raise your kids. It's an amazing thing. So finally, this is a quote from a German uh, pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's not your love that sustains your marriage, but from now on, it's your marriage that sustains your love. Thanks. So I guess we have a little bit of time for questions. Um, so any questions, thoughts? All right. Okay. So go ahead and say it and then I'll repeat it just so that... Well, go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and start over. There you go. Okay. Thanks, Stacey.
2: My husband and I, <clears throat> when we got engaged, we had gone to, we t- I told the lady that we were looking at renting her apartment. That She said, Where, when are you getting married? And I said, I don't know. He hadn't asked me yet. And when we got out of that, he was upset at me because, he said, why did you tell her that? And I said, because you hadn't asked me. So he's on one side of the car. I'm on the other side of the car and he says, well, will you? There was no diamond ring. <laughs> uh, we got matching wedding bands. Mm-hmm. This this was 50 years ago. And. But we didn't. A lot of people, young people today, I think, want a wedding. But don't want the marriage. And, and marriage is work.
1: I, I would agree.
2: And we have had 50 years of a wonderful marriage Mm -hmm. because we went into it eyes wide open and we went into it that divorce wasn't an option Mm -hmm. and we would work through whatever problems and we we have we have worked through them and uh, i feel that i am a blessed woman
1: yeah there's no doubt about it And and what i really like about what you're saying some people actually get the message that divorce, divorce, marriage is tough and and it's a it's a journey and it's a journey together. And if you have that commitment to say we are going to do this journey together and there are times when it's going to be extremely difficult, but it's going there are times that are going to be freakishly amazing. I mean that's the thing is you go it's 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 a journey. It's, it's not the destination that we're looking for. It's what? how do we do this together? So I, lo- I love your story. And it is, it is um, gosh, a lot of, uh, um, there's a lot of things going on with uh, the generations that are coming up because uh, a lot of them are choosing not to get married. But I think most people, and that's what I wanted to say in my, my, um, in this conversation, is that most people don't understand the, the seasons of a marriage or how marriage actually works. And most people kind of see, and I think that's why people are really hesitate. They see a lot of marriages that have broken and divorced, and so they, they're they trying not to do that. But I think if people, more people knew about these are regular seasons and this is the purpose of marriage, that I think that um, that more people would go, let's do this, because they'd know it. there's more substance to it. So, yeah.
2: <coughs> In your practice, uh, what do you see specifically that messes up that order, the breakdown and the reorder? I mean, what do you see as the stumbling blocks for people uh, not to move forward, even with counsel?
1: No, that's a good question. So, um, is I mean, you know how I was talking about how one partner might want it and the other partner doesn't? I think when one person is so hurt um, by the other person that they just do that scorched earth thing and there's just no turning back um, Where there's damage and betrayal and all this I think that's that's when it prob That's the gosh. That's when it really doesn't have any hope if if there's that kind of pain um, But then it's I don't know what it is. There's the pain but then there's this feeling I ha- I'm going to be vindictive and I'm going to be revengeful and and um, I'm going to cause more pain to you than you've given to me. That that's the the deal breaker. Um, but when couples come and they're both hurt and they're and they're just trying to figure it out and how do we rebuild this and, and if they're if they're both kind of they're still hurting but they don't know what to do, um, that's that's what we can work with. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Appreciated your uh, attention. Thank you.
2: Thank you.